0: John Brown University Chapel Podcast, recorded in the historic Cathedral of the Ozarks in Silom Springs, Arkansas. This week's chapel speaker was Trisha Posey. Dr. Posey is professor of history at John Brown University. I'm Dr. Posey, and I teach history, and I direct the honors program here at JBU. And um, as I said, I'm grateful to have the chance to speak in chapel today, so thank you Keith and Tracy for inviting me to reflect on God's word with our community. Um, Let's pray together as we look at God's word. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, amen. So today I'm going to be talking with you about a passage of scripture that some of you know by heart. In fact, if you grew up in the church, one of today's verses is probably the first passage of scripture you ever memorized. And if you did not grow up in the church, I'll venture to guess that even if you don't know the scripture passage, you probably know the scripture reference. My hope for today... Is that you will be able to gauge in this scripture with fresh eyes and an open heart. So let's read this passage together as we begin. This is from John 3. Hear the word of the Lord. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. And then further in this chapter, this is Jesus speaking. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, But people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. This is the word of the Lord. To summarize what is happening in this passage, Nicodemus, an important Jewish leader, has seen the miracles Jesus has performed and is wondering what to make of them. He knows that Jesus has some special connection with God, but he's trying to figure out what this connection is. Notice that Jesus' first response to Nicodemus is not a direct answer to Nicodemus' inquiry. Instead, Jesus talks to Nicodemus about seeing the kingdom and then entering the kingdom through new birth. Nicodemus takes Jesus quite literally at the mention of a new birth, and Jesus had to explain to him what this new birth means. At the end of this passage, Jesus describes himself as light, and he tries to help Nicodemus understand how he himself is the light of truth, the truth that Nicodemus had been seeking. I want to pause here to reflect on the most well-known verse in this passage, John 3.16. As I said, whether or not you've spent time in the church, you're probably familiar with the verse because it's the one that we see all the time in public settings. Here's just a brief sampling of places where we've seen references to John 3.16. There's There's graffiti. And then the next one, I love this one. This guy apparently is the rainbow man with his John 316 shirt. Okay, next one, Tim Tebow, John 316, there we go. This next one is my absolute favorite, John 316. (laughs) That's great. So for many of us, it's easy to think about John 3.16 as the verse that we see everywhere or the verse uh, that we can recite from memory. But let's pause. Let's pause and put ourselves in this moment in scripture. Nicodemus isn't looking at graffiti or a poster. Nicodemus is facing Jesus. Jesus who while speaking these words for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, is speaking about himself. And what do we know about this Jesus who's speaking these words? Here are some things that Jesus reveals about himself in this passage. First, we learn that Jesus is God's son. Nicodemus has identified something special about Jesus. He refers to Jesus as a teacher who has come from God. Coming from Nicodemus, a leader in the Jewish ruling council, this is high praise. It's the reason Nicodemus wanted to talk to Jesus. He saw Jesus' miracles and was hungry to learn more about the man who could do such amazing things. But Jesus tells Nicodemus that he isn't just from God. He's the son of God, sent by God to carry out a special purpose in the world, to bring the gift of salvation. And notice the language that Jesus uses when he describes this gift. In verse 17, Jesus says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And what is the nature of this salvation? As we learn later, this gift is Jesus' sacrificing of himself for the sins of the world, the sins of all of us, so that we might experience eternal life with God, the God who loves us with a deeper love than any of us could ever imagine. So Jesus tells Nicodemus he's God's son. Then further in the passage, Jesus describes himself as light. If you've been to chapel already this semester, you'll remember that this is a common theme in the book of John, and it's going to come up again. Jesus describes himself as light all throughout this text. He's the light that drives away darkness, In verses 19 and 20, Jesus says, Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light, because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. Now as followers of scripture, we know that Jesus' word was alive and active for Nicodemus, but it's also active and alive for us as well. So, think about these verses and apply them to yourself. Do you love darkness instead of light? Are your deeds evil? Many of you will probably say, Oh, no, that's not me. No one would ever describe me as evil. But think about Jesus' statements in this passage about the relationship between sin, fear, and darkness. Even if most of us would not describe ourselves as evil, we all have parts of ourselves that we're afraid to expose to the light out of fear. I think this might make more sense if I use a metaphor about light, darkness and evil given to us by Teresa of Avila, and she's up on the screen. Teresa of Avila was a Spanish nun in the 16th century who wrote guides to her fellow nuns about how they might better understand God's love for them in the person of Jesus. One of her most famous reflections on God's love was her book, The Interior Castle. In this book, Teresa describes the soul as a glass castle, similar to the one in the picture that you'll see up there. Beautiful, isn't it? Teresa describes the process of sanctification as a movement toward the center of the castle, where Jesus himself radiates pure light. For those of us who are Christ followers, our journey is one of moving toward the light, allowing God's healing love in the person of Christ to draw us in. But as Teresa talks about the early part of this journey, moving into the castle, she says there's a lot that keeps us from moving to God's love. And the metaphor she uses for these things is the metaphor of the reptile. Teresa says that as we enter into the castle, we're hindered by creatures and reptiles swimming and stalking about. These reptiles are symbols of those things that keep us from making our way toward Jesus' love. Teresa describes these reptiles as worldly attachments and cares, habits that we've adopted that give us security in the world. All of us have these reptiles. My reptiles are perfectionism and a hyper-focus on productivity. What are your reptiles? Maybe athletic or academic success? The praise of others? Alcohol or pornography? An anxious pursuit of control? Consumerism? The success of your political tribe? could go on and on. The list could be infinitely long because we are infinitely unique in our search for control over our own lives. And all of these things are fear-based. As the contemplative counselor James Finley likes to say, we're afraid to lose the control we think that we have over the life that we think that we're living. This is the sort of fear Jesus is talking about in this passage. The fear that if our deeds, our reptiles, are exposed to the light, then we will be condemned. But we should not be afraid. Because remember verse 17, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. In her autobiography, Teresa describes the sanctifying power of Christ in this way. If Christ dwells in us, then we can endure all things, for Christ strengthens us and never abandons us. He is a true friend, and I clearly see that if we expect to please him and receive an abundance of his graces, God desires that these graces must come to us from the hands of Christ through his most sacred humanity in which God takes delight. There's a beautiful passage of scripture later in the New Testament that brings all of this together. And it's one that I've been meditating on all summer. I want you to pay attention in this text to the way that Jesus as light is at work in the world and in our own lives. This is what Colossians one says about Jesus. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And this reconciliation isn't just for the world, it's for us. Listen to these next words. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, those reptiles... Paul talks about evil deeds in this passage, the same evil deeds that Jesus references in his conversation with Nicodemus. These are the reptiles that are a false means of control over the life that we think we're living. But for those who believe in Jesus, the power of these reptiles is weakening. We are now free from accusation. The question is, Are we, like Paul, going to place ourselves under the authority of Jesus? Are we going to refuse to treat our reptiles as pets and instead move toward the light in the interior of the castle? So this is my invitation to you, to allow yourself to experience God's love as he sheds his light on the reptiles in your life. It's a love we know is trustworthy because it's a love he himself showed on the cross. Come into the light and experience that peace brought by Jesus through his blood. For those of you who are thinking about specific reptiles in your life, the things that place you under a yoke of condemnation instead of the freeing light of peace I invite you to talk to me afterward for prayer. For now, I'd like to pray for all of you. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for being the light that brings salvation and not condemnation. Thank you that you demonstrated your love to us by giving your own life for ours, even as we have sought self-control through habits that lead us away from you. Help us to place ourselves in the healing light of your love that we might experience the freedom that comes through your reconciling power. Amen. Thanks for listening to this episode of the John Brown University Chapel Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and we'd love it if you'd leave us a review.